That video, I just melted. I, I was, I was spent. I had a hard time right there. We're going to read Joshua 3, 1 through 5. We just saw it depicted. We're going to see what it says in the Word of God. Joshua 3, 1 through 5. I'm going to have you stand for the reading of God's Word. Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left the Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelites' officers went through the camp, giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Lord, I just ask that the words that you give me that they come from your lips, and that you be glorified. So in your name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. When John asked me to preach this Sunday, I asked the Lord, what is it that you want me to preach? And the Lord said to me something very profound, and I'm simple-minded, so it may not even be profound to y'all, but it was profound to me. He said, look in the congregation and see how many of those people have been here for less than five years. So if you've been here less than five years, I want you to stand up. If you've been here for 10 years or longer, stand up. Or somewhere between that five and 10 years. If you've been here longer than 10 years, 10 to 15 years. Y'all stay back. Stay standing. Those of you, 15, 10 to 15 years. Fifteen to twenty. Stay standing. Stay standing. Twenty or more. Stand up. Y'all can have a seat now. This is what the epiphany that the Lord said to me. John talks about the Appalachian awakening, but many in this congregation have no idea where that came from. So today, we're going to have a history lesson. Now, those of you who know me, I'm a teacher, so if I see you falling asleep, <laughs> but I'm going to give you some dates, the dates I don't want you to see. Don't worry about the dates. I just want you to see that the Lord painted a picture. And I want you to see the colorful picture that he painted for us. Okay? So, we saw in the scriptures that we know the story of the Israelites. They'd been wandering for 40 years. They'd come across the Red Sea, but the Lord did a miracle work when he took them out of bondage. He cleared the water out of the way first. But then for 40 years, they wandered because 
Sometimes it was just out of their pure rebellion. Now I know nobody in this place has wandered out of rebellion. But they wandered for 40 years. And scholars say for 38 of those 40 years, they were right on the cusp of going into the, holy, into the promised land. They wandered right up and down that line. They sat in church really good every Sunday. I was there for 27 years. My bottom sat in a church pew for 27 years and was rebellious as the day is long. We are much like the Israelites, living on manna for 40 years. They complained about that, it wasn't good enough. So I'm gonna give you a little history of how our Israelites, this body, became where we are today. It began back in the late, no, early 70s when Miss Hyder had a group of women who prayed. And they prayed for the awakening of the Lord. Started with our youth group. Miss Hyder took them to her house because the Holy Spirit wasn't welcome in the church. We won't even go there. But out of that youth group and out of that group, Miss Hyder, Miss Monica, Miss Charlotte, and several other ladies began to pray that the Holy Spirit become powerful in this church. And look at some correlations of dates here. In the late 80s, early 90s, the Holy Spirit started working in the church. Tom Halliburton came onto the scene. And for those of you who know Tom Halliburton, he was a, well, he was a mighty man of God, but he was not afraid of what man might say. During that time, a prophetic word was brought, I believe, by Dr. Cates about being the Lighthouse Church. That came from you, right? And many other prophetic words, but that was a word that stuck that we were to be a lighthouse church in the Upper Cumberlands. And about that time, the Emmaus started growing in the Upper Cumberlands. And we hosted at the church at 104 Roberts, the Emmaus Walk, for a number of years. In 2001, Craig and I moved here. So when John said that I was new, he was in a smart alley. But anyway. <laughs> We moved here in 2001. Now I want you to hear something before I even begin any further. This is not about Craig, and it's not about us. It's about what God has called us to, okay? I did something that the Lord told me to do, and I've never done this in the 34 years of marriage, but the Lord told me to get into Craig's journals and that I would see some pieces that I had missed. So we're going to talk about some things that the Lord began to show us as a body um, about the Appalachian Awakening. The first thing that the Lord said 
in 2001 was that he needed us to become a unified body. We had two church services, and for those of you who were here during that time, Craig made everybody mad because he brought us all back into one church service so we could become unified. Unification is key to see the, the glory of God. In 2010, I'm going to fast forward, the Lord started giving Craig words for the year. In 2010, the word for the year was the word. And we all read through the Bible, through the prayer journals. We all read together the same passages every day. We read through the Bible together. And the sermon came out of that reading. 2011 was the year of prayer. And the Lord said that how could we pray for an awakening if we were unwilling to pray with each other and to pray for each other's needs. So 2011 we started small group prayer circles like we did here. Now I'm going to tell you, there were times that people called the idea of praying in prayer circles was very offensive to people. I know, that's a funny face, but yes, that's exactly the face I made. 2012 was the year of testimony. We got to start hearing what God was speaking to other people. Sherry Huck had a word, a powerful word during that season. 2013 was the year of fasting, asking the Lord to direct us even more. 2014, I believe, was a pivotal year, was when we started the year of intercession and the Lord was very key in what we were to intercede for. The intercession place uh, pieces were to pray against religion. How many of y'all know religion is key in this area? Not relationship, but religion. You've got to follow these rules. We were to pray against religion, addiction, and poverty. See what the Lord was starting way back in 2014. 2015, little did we know that 2015 was that word, the year was the year of vision. And prophetic words really started coming to people. I'm going to start sharing with you some of those words. So I'm going to go back to the scripture and we're going to look at how that correlates, the scripture that I read, how it correlates to us. So we're going to look at four different places where the Lord spoke in that, in Joshua passage and how it correlates with what we did. So the first one, for those of you who take notes, the first key note I want you to see was Joshua acted immediately when God spoke to him. Because it says, Early the next morning, Joshua and all his Israelites left the Acacia Grove. How many of you know that the key to a great awakening is obedience? And it's not delayed obedience. I used to tell my kids, delayed obedience is, is disobedience. So he did it immediately. The minute the Lord told him to do it, they did 
And it wasn't just a small group of 50 or 100. He was leading 2 million people. But he got up and he went. He did it early in the morning. And how many of you know that the Lord likes to speak to you early in the morning? How many of you are early morning risers? How many of you are late nighters? When Craig and I first got married, he, we um, used to pray together, and he insisted on doing it early in the morning. And my favorite time of night or day was 12 to 2 a.m. And that made for a really hard time to try to pray in there. And so the Lord showed me in Scripture, the Israelites went out early in the morning to get their manna before the heat of the day. And when the Lord showed me that, I became an early riser. I've not talked Sherry into that yet. She's still a late nighter. <laughs> but early in the morning, I'm just going to give you a couple of scriptures that shows us early in the morning is something that God delights in. Genesis 19, Abraham got up early and hurried out to the place where he stood in the Lord's presence. Genesis 26, Abraham got up early and took Isaac to put him on the altar as a sacrifice. Exodus 16, he got up early. Moses, uh, the Israelites were to get up early to get their manna. Mark 15, Jesus was taken to Pilate early in the morning. Matthew 28, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary got up early to go to the tomb. So early in the morning, Hannah, <laughs> it's not her favorite place, but early in the morning, God wants to meet us. So God called Joshua to get up and go immediately early in the morning. He did. What has he called you personally to on this journey? As this body, God began to speak in a more unified way. The Holy Spirit began to show Craig and the leadership team, the elders, what we were to do. And it began in April 11, 2015. We were having a Real Love Heals, Heals conference, and the Lord gave Don Raglan this prophetic word. This church is the Eastern Gate. And this is his words. He wrote it out for me so I could have it. I saw a vision of a map of the USA with an outline in the temple overlaid upon it. The Eastern Gate was over the Appalachian Mountains with the gate centered on East Tennessee. The North Wall was at the southern border of Pennsylvania. The southern wall was at the Florida Panhandle, and the western wall was at the Arkansas-Oklahoma border. If you those that were here, that was the pastor that was here that was over his church um, in Arkansas. I saw a vision of many of us years before. This is what Don was saying. A couple of years before, I saw a vision of many of us climbing the mountain up to the eastern gate. Several dropped out along the way because the way was too difficult. The Lord gave us instruction to guard the gate to keep it open to his glory. 
We felt that glory this morning, didn't we? And that some of the people who dropped out along the way going up the mountain would join us later, and we were to welcome them. He also heard that we were to be to keep open to through humble obedience, and that the gate for revival awakening was for that part of the world. Now that was given in 2015. Upon hearing that word, as Craig was, as Don was speaking that word, Craig, the Lord showed Craig these points: that Antioch was a gateway, was the gateway church. Antioch was the eastern gate. And that we weren't to be worried about the mother church in Jerusalem or being the mega church like Ephesus. And that we weren't to be the Corinth church, was the, that that was the church of conflict. That we were to be the Antioch church. That word was given back in 2015. June 18, 2015, the Lord gave this prophetic word to Craig. And you're going to see how uplifting it was. I'm calling you to a place where few people are willing to go. In fact, many people will tell you you can't go there, but come and be led by my spirit. Many will call out and taunt you, but you must keep your eyes on me. The path at times will look impossible, but you follow me. I will open closed places, and you'll hear about that later. Keep your eyes on me. Do not allow the voice of others to derail the course I've called you to. Many of you need to hear that. The Lord has called you to a place, and the, the world has tried to derail you. Keep your focus on me. Do not see the things of the world as obstacles to stop you. Keep your eyes set on me. You will see my glory more than you ever have before, but you must keep your eyes on me. That was pivotal in June of 2015. Little did we know what that was all going to look like. In 2016, that was the year of faith. And the Lord was calling us to be courageous. He gave Craig the scripture in February of 2016, Acts 23. That night the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. And as the Lord, as Craig was reading that, the Lord told him these points. Obedience. There's that ugly word again. Obedience meant declaring the truth in a hostile environment. Sometimes people aren't going to hear what you have to say. Sometimes they may get in your face and go, I don't believe you. The Lord confirmed Paul's obedience, even as prophetic words seemingly discouraged him. The third point there was courageous obedience to fulfill the call as needed. Courageous obedience. Many of us are afraid. No, go let somebody else do that. Somebody else who's been trained. 
Let John Paul do it. He's better at witnessing. And he's calling all of us to a courageous obedience. In June 13th, so a couple months later, in his journal entry, the Lord showed him Acts 3. And he and you know in Acts 3 was is the place where the blind or the beggar was at the gate. And he was asking for a handout. And the Lord said, Who will tend to the minister to minister to those at the gate? Who will attend to the lame beggars? Who will minister to the poor and rich? That day, miracles led to the salvation of that guy. When we're obedient, miracles will lead to salvation, to the rich, to the poor, to the beggars. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit and have time for the inconvenient people. How many of you have inconvenient people in your life? How many of you really like to spend time with those inconvenient people? Yeah, Jamie, you probably do because you have them in your office all the time. Many of us avoid them. But the Lord was saying we have to take time for the inconvenient people. We, like the Israelites, had to trust as we moved into the water, as the water was moved out of our way. We are called to walk it out. Number two thing that I want you to look at that Joshua showed us was when the Levitical priest carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, um, move out into this position and follow them. Joshua had to act fearlessly. He had two million people watching him. He couldn't act fearful. Now one of the things that the video didn't depict very well was during that time in the spring, the water was raging. And I'm a little bit of a geek when it comes to study. And so I had to look and see how big is the Jordan River. Um, during normal times, the Jordan River is only about 98 to 100 feet wide. And it's only about 100 feet deep. During the raging the flood season, it says the Jordan swells to a width of a half a mile wide and is so deep they can't, couldn't measure it. So as the priest, the water didn't part for them. They had to step into it. Now, how do you think Joshua talked them into it? He was leading them fearlessly. He didn't say, well... Maybe. This is what we're going to do. And it takes a leader that is going to lead fearlessly. Joshua is at the water's edge. Now one of the things that I loved about that video was the fact that those people, many of those people had never seen the presence of God. Never seen it. So when they unveiled the Ark of the Covenant, they were overwhelmed with the presence of God. 
We are so fortunate. Wayne leads us into the presence of God every year, every year, every, every week. Every week. Sorry, bad words. But those people had to trust their leader. Joshua's at the edge of the water and he's leading them in by having the, the priest walk in. Imagine what Joshua was thinking on the inside. I'm going to lead two million people right into death. I mean, honestly, how many of you think that that crossed his mind? But immediately, when I have those kind of doubtful thoughts, the Lord reminds me of his faithfulness. Now, this is what I said. And this is just a side note. If you don't journal, you're robbing yourself of, show, of seeing what God has done in your past. How am I able to tell you what happened in all these dates? Because I journal and Craig journals and Amy helps out too. She journals as well. Guys, you're robbing yourself of not seeing what God did last year or the year before that or the day before that. That's just a side note. So we go in, Joshua was leading two million people, and he didn't allow the distractions to keep him from his focus of getting people to the promised land. We, as a congregation, had some distractions along the way as well, right? June 18th, 2016, Craig was diagnosed with cancer. It was a distraction to us, but it didn't ch change what God was doing in the big scheme of things. And just to keep our eyes on him, he sent four prophetic words to three different continents or three different countries and one to another state that wasn't connected to us. One was sent to Mozambique, Africa, from Mozambique, Africa. One was sent from Rio de Janeiro, one was sent from Leon, Mexico, and one was sent from Honolulu, Hawaii. And all four of those messages came and said, this is not unto death, this is for the glory of God. See, the distractions want to come, but the Lord wants us to keep our eyes on him and not on the distraction. And one of the things that many of you have heard me say, on that, during that time, the day after Craig's diagnosis, I was sitting in church that Sunday, and the worship leader said, Satan has messed with the wrong pastor. And the first time she said that, I hear, trust me. The worship leader says that a second time, and I hear, trust me a little bit more, a little louder, because sometimes I'm hard of hearing. And the third time, the worship leader said, 
I hear that, that Satan has picked on this wrong um, pastor. I hear, trust me, acknowledge me, and I will direct your path. Of course, you know that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lay not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And so the Lord, we have these distractions. So the next morning, the Lord's promised that he would lead our path. The next morning, two doctors who were not working together, one of them happens to be in this room, called Craig within 15 minutes of each other. I don't even know if you know this story. Those two doctors who had not talked to one another called Craig within 15 minutes of each other and they, he said, they said, I want you to go to Vanderbilt. I want you to go to Dr. Muldoon for your colon, Dr. Gordon for your liver, and Dr. Cardin for your oncology. Was the Lord directing our path? See, we can get all wrapped up in the distractions. The Israelites had a big body of water roaring in front of them. They could have been so distracted, but their fearless leader kept bringing them back to Jesus. The Lord kept bringing us back to Jesus. Some of the distractions was July 12th. Craig had cancer. And in that time, the Lord kept bringing back Jesus' miracles. That day, the Lord had given me a scripture and he had me pray over the surgeon. And the Lord said to her, I've trained her hands for battle. And this battle she's been training for for a lot of years, but he's been training her just for today. And I told her that and I prayed over her and she came out of surgery and she said, Tina, I have some good news and some bad news for you. The good news is we got all the cancer. The bad news was there's more cancer than what we planned. And she told me that as she was doing the surgery, her right hand kept going to the lower part of his pelvic area. And the doctor in her mind is saying, there's no cancer down there. I don't know why my hand keeps going there. And so she would come back to where she was working in the, the colon area. And her hand would go back down to the lower area. Three times that happens. And, the Lord, and she finally said, okay, Lord, I'm going to feel a little better. And so she feels on the cecum. And I'm not a medical person, but the cecum is kind of like a table. And underneath that table, there were four pimples. Not big enough to find in medical by testing. And those small four pimples was cancer. And they were able to get all four of those pieces. Those four, that cancer area, the cecum area, correct me if I'm wrong, is often goes to the pancreas. And the Lord showed that doctor where the cancer was. Guys, distractions are all around us. It doesn't have to be cancer. It can be you just lost your job or you're just confused about your relationship with Jesus. He's okay with that too. 
So we were in, in that time of distractions. But we got into 2017, and 2017 was the year of love. So the Lord wants us to see that he's building and coloring this picture for us. 2017 was the year of love. In October, the Lord told Craig, and I want you to hear this, this is a bigger vision than you are. He wants to reestablish full-ordered New Testament church in the United States. We are to tie into places that were um, like the Christians around the world, New Testament churches. And the Lord told him in 2017 that the name had to change. That we needed to flow in the river of deep fellowship. And that we were to leave the Methodist church and be tied to a, a, a body that was more open to that deep fellowship. That we needed to be proactive about the future, not waiting for the Methodist church to implode. And so when he gave that word to Craig, nobody else got it, right? All the elders knew. The leadership team knew. See, because God doesn't give a, a, a word to somebody and expect nobody else to... Everybody else agreed. They knew that God was speaking. Because it wasn't a Craig vision. It was a vision for us. October 30th and 31st, Tony Maxwell called Craig and he said, I don't know why I'm supposed to give you this, but I'm supposed to give you this C.S. Lewis quote. Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing Christianity can't be is moderately important. In Scripture, in Revelations, it says, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. So the next day, the Lord was reading Mark 8, 27 through 38, and the Lord said to him, don't be embarrassed over Jesus' way or you will become an embarrassment to Jesus. And he gave him these points. He said, love, not law. Outgoing commands, not just biblical lists. Now, obedience and ongoing obedience. And that obedience produces fruit. Guys, there's got to be fruit in our life. It can't just be doing things because we want to. It's got to be ordained by God so that there's fruit. November 15th, the Lord told him, 
We as a church felt God had opened a door for us to minister to the poor and marginalized areas of Overton County, such as Wilson School, Hanging Limb, Crawford, and Wilder. But then there was other places like Willow Grove and Hardy's Chapel, which is where Shiloh is. The Lord began giving the elders and the leadership team more expansion upon the Eastern Gate in, later in 2017. And here's the things that the Lord was showing him, them. Focus on the rural areas, the neglected villages, direct connection with the international church. Use the biblical model of Luke 10, going out two by two. We, at that same year, was the first time we took Thanksgiving dinner up to Wilder. And the miracles that came out of that weekend, or that day, is where Boone and Monica are leading a church there in Wilder now, at Twinton came out of that weekend that started, Thanksgiving Day that started in 2017. The third place I want you to look that Joshua said in verse four, since you have never, have never traveled this pathway before, they will guide you. Stay half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between them and the ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Joshua is very clear. We've never been this way before. We've never walked through bodies of water. We've never been to the promised land. So we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. So 2018, the year of that year, the word of that year was obedience. January 7th of 2018, the Lord said, the gateway church in the Bible is Antioch, and our church should model Antioch's model. What does that look like? That meant at Antioch, people would come in, get trained, and then they would go out and, and minister and start a new church. Hmm. Why is Michael leaving? because he's been trained and he's going out and ministering to a church. I think the last count we had, Amy, correct me if I'm wrong, we've had like 15 pastors come out of this church because the Lord's been training up, raising up people and sending them out. It also means that people came in to support the team Next month, we have a family moving from Alaska to here because they fell in love with the vision. I was in Renosa last November and shared this story, and they said, we feel like God's calling us to come here. So they're moving from Alaska to Tennessee. Now, don't you think that's a little bit of change? Just saying. They're not going to know what to do with August 
summers. 2018 was that year of obedience. In September 7th of 2018, Craig went for the three-week school in Reynosa. On the 7th, he wrote, wrote a blog to us, and I'm just going to read parts of it. He said, I am here to continue to make and strengthen the kingdom connections necessary to truly be an Antioch church to a huge swath of eastern United States. To be an Antioch gateway involves becoming something beyond the already wonderful dynamics we enjoy as, as a functional church. God is truly calling us outside of our walls and outside of the usual American church paradigm. Father is calling us to parent and steward. I want you to hear that. He's calling you and me to parent and steward renewal and awakening. The Lord is calling us to love the few and forgotten until they arise as a mighty army. The Lord is calling us to help existing congregations and pastors who will suddenly find, um, will suddenly face unacceptable choices in the coming months. September 14th, he wrote, Greetings from Renosa. As you know, the Lord has called us to be an Antioch church, which was the eastern gate to Asia and Europe in the first century. We are to be that gateway in Antioch, fashioned to Appalachia. I believe that we will ultimately be part of planting hundreds of churches in rural America. And this was part of the last part of it. So let me get to the point of this blog, which is about honoring the call God has given you individually. We need those called to go forth, to go forth, to go forth. We need those who are called to serve faithfully here, to serve faithfully here. September 23rd, he wrote, to birth and grow churches in Appalachia, we are an Antioch church, not only to new churches in Appalachia, but a Jerusalem church to the United Methodist Church that needs a place to heal. And we've had Methodist pastors come in for the fire schools, the two fire schools we've had, and for part of the, the leadership school. So the last point that I want you to get out of what Joshua showed us was he told the people, Israelites, consecrate and purify yourself for his purposes. We need to anticipate the miracles that God is going to do through your hands. For us at First Church, it looks like this. 2019 was the year of fire. April 12, 2019, the Lord told Craig, 
All by God's grace, we are part of something bigger than we are. A heart cry that truly emanates from the Father. Without a vision, the people perish, to quote the Proverbs. But the inverse is greater. With a vision, the people will flourish. God is calling each one of us to flourish in doing what he's called us to do. May 5th, we voted, 95% of us voted to leave the Methodist denomination. The middle of June of 2019, we voted as a congregation to walk away from our building, $2.1 million building at 104 Robert Street. Many of you never stepped foot in there. June 29th, I'm going to tell you a vision that I had. I had gone to, well, before I went to work at my office, I'd had a, a rather large argument with my husband. So I wasn't particularly in a spiritual mood. I know none of you can ever relate to that. But I'd gone to my office, and the office at that time didn't have a bathroom, and there were no tools there. So I was putting together some equipment. I needed a screwdriver, a hammer, a bathroom, and I'm hungry, and I'm angry. Don't you know I was the best person to be around? So I have it in my head. I can run to, Wal uh, to McDonald's and make a U and come by Winningham's and get my screwdriver and my hammer and go back to work and hit a bathroom at McDonald's. So I'm turning in to go to McDonald's and there's a line of people. They're not just around McDonald's, but they're coming out. And remember, I'm not in the best spiritual mood. So I've already committed to turn, so I'm already headed up that street, and I look up and I see the Fred's building. Okay, I can find something yucky to eat, but I can at least find something to eat. I know I can find a screwdriver and a hammer, and I can find a bathroom, which when you got to be my age, that was probably the more critical point. <laughs> and I get to, to the Fred's building, this building. I walk in, get my stuff, and I'm looking for a bathroom, I can't find the bathroom, and I check out and I said to the lady, are y'all doing something funny here? Because all the, cu the cabinets were all past that wall. They were all b pushed up, and I said, are you going to redo the building or something? And she said, yeah, something like that. I said, okay. I said, Where's your bathroom? So I, she tells me over by the pharmacy. Pharmacy used to be back behind that wall. And I walk back there and I go into the bathroom and as I'm coming back, I walk out of that hallway and I'm in that area back behind those doors. And I see a kitchen area back behind that wall. And I see through that wall 
and I see bedroom with all those lined with bunk beds, shower, bathrooms, shower, bathrooms, another line of rooms with bunk beds. And I'm like, what in the world am I seeing? Because I'm not in a very spiritual mood. And I walk through the double doors right there. And I come in here and I see this room. And I went, oh my gosh. This will be our building someday. And I see classroom, 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 offices, gathering room, nursery, Amy's office, storage, another room. And I went, oh my gosh. So the person I least wanted to talk to 20 minutes ago, I can't wait to get him on the phone. And I called Craig and I said, you cannot believe what I just saw. I said, I think I just saw our Antioch Center. And he said, where are you? <laughs> and I then tell him what I just seen. And he, and he said, in his spiritual words, did you find anything there for me that would be interesting for my office? So I go back to the office and Amy's there and Steve, who does our uh, computer work, were there and I walk through the door and I'm like, you can't believe what I just saw. So I'm telling her what I've see, uh, seen and in walks John Mark, John Paul. And he goes, are we supposed to be working? It's Saturday. And, and I said, no, we're just here. And I said, you've got to hear what I'm seeing. So I tell him, I start the story again, and he says, I'm headed to France, I'll ask. So, and Amy, before he leaves, he goes, you'll never guess who owns that building. Well, no, we wouldn't know. And she said, well, he's related to me. And I said, of course he is, Amy, you're related to everybody in town. So John Paul comes up here and he asks them, are you ever closing? And he, they got kind of sheepish, so he went to the manager and said, are you all closing? And the guy, the manager says, yes, matter of fact, we're closing nationwide. So the elders, Jason, you were part of the elders at that point, weren't you? Would have been 2019. The, the elders said, yes, we know this is of God, but it's not for now. I think you were on there, weren't you, David? This is for later. So I drew it out, like I was told by the elders, and wrote out my vision. So that was June 29, 2019. In 2020 was the year of sight. The Lord said it's time for our Antioch Center to begin. So, you know, we had our pandemic. Church got closed down, so we did church on my yard, John and West's yard, did it out at the barn with Sandy and Randy, 
And the Lord said it was time um, to start looking for another place because it was getting too hot to meet out on yards. But in the meantime, we had our first leadership school. Because, see, the Lord doesn't care whether there's a pandemic going around in the world. And even if the building that we were supposed to have it in shut down, we ended up having it in my basement. We had 30 people in my basement for three weeks. And 13 people stayed at my house. So if you want to know where all these gray hairs come from. So we had our first leadership school. Fall before that, we had our first fire school. And June 19th was our first of 2020, was our first time in this building. August 20th, Craig died. But the vision didn't. Guys, the vision didn't because it wasn't his, it was ours. This year has probably been one of the hardest years I've walked through, but the Lord has been my shield and my firm foundation. And he said, Tina, the vision is to be an Antioch sinner. No tears. Because it's a burning desire that God has for his people. I don't know where you are, what you're supposed to do, but you're here because God has put you here. And he has a plan for this region. So ask, what is it I'm supposed to do? Am I the one that's supposed to stay and serve those who come in? Or am I the one who's supposed to go and lead a life group somewhere else and help plant? I can't remember your name, but he's raising you up. Can't remember your name, but you know who I'm talking to right there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. In Craig's Bible, I found this note this week. If we are going to sow for an awakening, we must be focused on the seed. Jesus, and not just his seed, but those around us, the redeemed, that need to be saved. You cannot be truly in love with Jesus until you quit trying to get things from him. Ouch. For the Israelites, it looked like watching the Lord move before the priests as they put their feet in the water. For us, it just means to be obedient. We're going to watch a video clip real quick. <laughs> 